1: everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you
2: doing? Steve, couldn't be better. This weekend, family did a big thing. We brought in a new little puppy into our lives. These uh, dark circles under my eyes, I, you know, that's just from smiling so hard and being excited. It's not from being tired and, you know, lack of sleep. We're having a great time. And uh yeah, big big things big things happening in the Gendron family. You got a new puppy. And everybody <laughs> with like with
1: like uh a, a human baby is like, oh shut up about the dark circles and being
2: tired. Like you got a puppy, big deal. What did you name the puppy, Mike? Uh the, the name of the puppy is Trot after uh, Trot Nixon, the greatest baseball player to ever live. Great name. Just a gritty, gritty baseball player. Love it. Right.
1: And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud?
3: Gentlemen, I am doing well. Before I, I give you my intro, I just want to say, Mike, that is such BS. Getting a new puppy may be cute and adorable sometimes, but there's nothing worse than having little, like, you know, just piece of crap pissing all over your house and everything and chewing everything up. So don't You watch don't the way that, that you talk BS. about a little trial. Okay, you you watch the way that you talk about him. I know Trot's a nightmare right now, uh, but gentlemen, I am doing good. I was gone last week. I was out in uh, the the mountains, the prairies of uh, Montana and Wyoming visiting Yellowstone. And, and guys, you know what that means is um, I did some great altitude training last week, so I didn't really run. You know, I, I did run once the last day, classic like beat the hangover before the airport um, but I still think I'm gonna get that altitude benefits for the two-miler coming up, right? I lived out there, I breathed out there, I ate out there, I walked around a good amount. Um, so I, despite maybe my running not being way up there, can honestly say I've never been in better shape. I've never altitude trained for a race before, honestly. So this is like new beginnings for me. Um, you know, I'm gonna reach new heights with this race, so watch out. Did you do any running at all? I did the last day, it was great. It was like I had the, we'd be the airport around noon, you know, got up, felt like total crap, got out there, did my hangover busting run before the egg sandwich and the cold shower, um, and then felt great for my my plane ride. So uh, I did one run the last day after like a 10-day trip. So how long were you gone for? 10 days. And you you ran once out of 10
1: days?
2: Yes, but I was altitude training. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it works like that. that. That sounds like the Mike Gendron training plan right there. Well, let me tell you what, guys, I've been,
1: I've been grinding. I've been getting after it. I've been trying to do two speed workouts a week this Saturday. I did the best track workout I've done maybe since college. I felt so good. I did a little six by 800 meter repeats on the track. It was, I was just, I was feeling smooth. I was feeling comfortable going into the last lap of my last 800 meters. I felt a twinge in my heel and I was like, ah, oh, it's probably nothing coming around the last bend into the home stretch. I finished good time feeling good about my race. I go into the infield, get some water. And all of a sudden I just start feeling my Achilles tighten up my heel. Oh no. I put on my, I put on my trainers to try and, uh, and go for a cool down. And guys, I could barely even walk. So I've been hobbling around (laughs) since Saturday night. I have not been able to run. I was feeling fit. I was crushing it. I was doing workouts. And I've put, my training is on pause and I'm doing everything I possibly can, you know, just rehabbing, stretching out, icing, doing everything I can to get myself out there on race day. But boys, it's going to be close.
2: Steve, so I'm not saying, and I don't want to disrespect you and I don't want to call you a liar. I'm just saying, I feel like we've kind of been down this road before. (laughs) I feel like you've tried to play this card once before and you did a little sneak attack last time we had a competition. So I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying, at, you can imagine why I might have to question it just, just a little bit.
1: Well, you know, as a runner in their, in their early 30s that is a contender for heavyweight champion of the world, <laughs> this is going to be a, a, just a, a normal part of my running life where, you know, I ramp up, I get injured, I make a comeback. That's just like, that's like a weekly cycle for me at this point in my life.
3: I just want to say by doing my training, right? My altitude training with less running involved, I am avoiding that potential chance of injury that you, you know, just experienced, Steve. So before you attack my training plan for not running enough, just keep in mind that my Achilles feels great right now.
2: You got the you got the most well-rested legs in the in the competition right. right now. That's right. Precious legs and doing it. So I mean, how the tides have turned, boys. I've been accused of, you know. Being injured in the past. I'm healthy as a horse right now. I've been accused of not doing enough running, crushing my training. All of a sudden, your boy's on top of the world right now, and you two are gonna be hobbling to the finish line. Yeah, I'm not hobbling. I feel great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so guys, I mean, if you haven't signed up, it's time to sign up. We're coming down to the to your last opportunity to sign up for the P2E. 2 miler coming up on, it's going to be, you can enter a time anywhere from Wednesday, August 19th, all the way to Saturday morning, August 22nd. So you got to do it. It's going to be a ton of fun. And we're going to get into the P2E Miler. We're going to talk about some odds and kind of what we're thinking for kind of grouping up and meeting up to a race in person. So stay tuned for that. But before we get into the news, you know, Trent, as the kind of premier taylor swift it's taylor swift fan on the podcast we need to get your rating like what's your rating of this new album and where does it where does it rank in the pantheon
2: of taylor swift album can i can i guess before you answer my guess is he hasn't even listened to it yet because here's a fun fact about trent he needs to put himself in like a dark room he needs to like print out the lyrics he needs to like listen to the album like four or five times and take notes on it. So he's a big fan. But the problem with his system is he always does it like, four months after the album release date. So Trent, am I am I wrong in thinking you haven't even listened to the album yet? Uh, you are spot on correct, Michael. <laughs> so the
3: album, the actual CD has been ordered and you you, you described it pretty well. CD? I don't, yes, yeah. the CD. It's, I don't, a, it's, it, it's oh the process. God, it's a process. <laughs> it's the
2: oh Taylor Swift God. listening
3: party process here. And I don't print out the lyrics. I use the actual lyrics in the album, like, you know, cover that comes in it, a little booklet that comes along. You guys remember that but you pull it out, I get it. And that way I can just totally follow along. Usually it's twice through at the very beginning, one without the lyrics, one with the lyrics, so I don't miss anything. Then we get through it. Then we have a chance to take a few deep breaths, let it all seep in, maybe, you know, walk around outside for a minute, come back, go through it again. Um, So it's been ordered. I am ready. But I mean, I was gone all week. You know, today was a tough day of of getting back to the real world. So we'll see when I have the opportunity to set aside, you know, four (laughs) hours in my night to do the proper listening uh, to the new album. But i'm i'm excited for it well that was a very disappointing segment
1: i mean i figured you'd be cruising around in yellowstone and wyoming just kind of rocking out but guess not
3: so i can't i can't afford to have like you know uh a bison just run across the car have to slam on the brakes jump out of the car to get my my selfie with the bison or whatever and then you know then come back and it'd be a verse later on the song and be totally confused at what should happen and then have to replay it again. People are still excited about the bison too many variables, way too many variables.
2: And Steve, you're, you're, you're so off on that because he is still excited about the 2019 Taylor Swift album because he just went through this process with that like two months ago. So that's still a new album to him. So I'm sure he was, you know, bouncing around in Yellowstone listening to what he thought was like new Taylor Swift music. Yeah, that's that's true, David. <laughs> All right, boys. On that, let's kick
1: off the running news.
2: All right, gentlemen. So this past weekend we saw a third rendition of the Big Friendly. We've talked about them the in F3. the past, and they came back with another one. Some huge names yet again. A lot to break down here. I mean, I don't know. Where do we even want to start with this one? Steve, what do you want to start I mean, with
1: this? One? I love the names. It's like there was the big friendly, and then they had the big friendly two was was the bigger friendly. And then they were calling this one the BF3 revenge of the friendly. So yeah. I love that. That was that was great.
2: Um but I mean oh. there's sorry, I forgot to did you realize that Pete Julian's team had a name in this one? No. Like right no, off the they... bat. No. Those are made uh, up names. Was it? Oh, it was just a fake no, name. So the to, announcer
1: there, the Tracklandia guy, I forget his name. I forget his oh, name, but every time goofing. every time that they came around to like the Pete Julian team, he would call it something different. He would call it like the uh, Pete Julian flying circus or the, gotcha. you know, something, something funny like that. But, um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not I think, witty,
2: I'm not witty enough to, uh, have picked yeah, up. Yeah, on Yeah. The, on it the was the a trope. joke. Gotcha. It was All a right. joke.
1: Um, but I think coming into this race, I think the, the thing that everybody was was really excited about watching was this was Donovan Brazier's first 800 meters in 2020. And, you know, he ran a great time. The coverage cut out halfway through, which really stunk, but that was not the highlight event. Wasn't even close. The men's 1500 meter and our guy, Josh Kerr showing people how to run a mid distance race. Okay. The the race went out hard, thanks to our guy Sam Prekel, right? Another friend of the program. He took the race out hard, and with 600 meters left to go, Josh Kerr dropped the friggin' hammer, went out hard, and and showed everybody how to run, how to close, how to not sit and kick and go after and get it. And he opened up a huge gap. And the announcer was, you know, saying like, "We are watching something special. This is amazing. Can he hold this? Did the kickers way too long?" And sure enough, he held on. You know, coming coming around the last bend into the home stretch, you could tell that he put his heart into that that you know that push with 600 meters to go, and his legs were starting to die. He even looked back over his shoulder. He was starting to slow down, but he had just enough to get across the finish line with the win in 334.5 the fastest 1500 meter run in the world this year just a very impressive race by our
2: our guy Josh Kerr and I mean the field he was in was no like slouchy field nope. I mean that was a stacked field we had angles we had prequel we had Henry Wynn we had a meet I mean it was it was a stacked field and I mean it wasn't even close he just dominated them he and it wasn't like he uh, – I mean, the first, like, 400 meters, he was kind of sitting back. He was, like – But they were they, moving
1: fast. Like They, they were moving they fast, were but, yeah. It wasn't, like, but he, it wasn't a tactical race. Like, he was just sitting in the pack, but the pack was moving
2: fast. But that's what I mean. Like, he was just so comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, he, there was no panic. Sometimes when you see, like, a guy who thinks there's a chance to win and the race goes out hard like that, they panic. He didn't panic. He just kind of sat back, watched the race unfold. And then when it, when it was his time to kind of move up and start making his – his movement making the race he just did it flawlessly all like every move was right down the straightaway it was just a you know nice smooth move up nice smooth move up and then like you said with plenty of race left to go just busted the thing open and was never to be seen again
3: yeah i think with races like this i'm not going to have too many takeaways from the guys that maybe didn't perform as well as i would have expected them to because it is still kind of a weird environment weird timing for these races but my notes for it was basically like Kerr, holy shit. Like the guys that blow, you know, expectations away, like Kerr did, there is a real takeaway there. And he's putting himself on the map as, you know, a legit um, contender for being one of the best 1500 guys, you know, in the world with, with time like that. So we should all be watching out for, for what Kerr has gotten in store the rest of the season here. I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped.
1: So I, I sent a message on uh, the night of the race on Friday night, just being like, whoa, what a race. And he's just like, I've been working hard, man. And he had a post, I think it was Monday where it's just like, we're just getting started.
2: Yeah. And Dude, so I'm just, the
1: I'm so, so, I know I'm so pumped if he's doing that and we're just, and he's just getting started. I cannot wait to see what this guy has in store. So Awesome race, kind of overshadowed the the 800 meters. And, you know, maybe maybe if, it, if the coverage didn't cut out halfway through, we'd be talking about Donovan Brazier's 143, I believe. Did he run 143?
2: He ran 143, and it was, like, the easiest 143 I've ever seen in my life. He, yeah. He's just a machine, and he finished the race, and, like, it didn't even look like he was breathing hard. Like, no, like, know, bend just, over. Like, no, just walked off the track. And it was just, like, just on another, the field. another day in the office. It, it, I... There's like, a, I can't even, the movie can't even, or like the documentary can't even think of it right now or wherever this is from, but there's some movie where it's like, you know, if you, if you hit a home run off this guy, like keep that, keep that baseball or something like that. You know, you know what quote I'm talking about? I don't know, there's some quote. Basically, my point is, <laughs> if you beat Donovan Brazier in any distance ever, like keep those running shoes, keep that singlet because this guy might not ever lose again for the rest of his life.
1: Yeah. I mean, Mike, who's, who's beaten Donovan Brazier in anything? I don't see any distance, like nothing. If
2: he bumps up to, I mean, the guy just will, might not ever lose again
3: like if you beat him in line to the, the the porter potty after the race then he should be pretty psyched about that. Yeah, I right. I'm not even sure like what he's getting out of these races, right? This is like he has to go cuz his teammates are running, but he's not getting any benefit. He's not getting any racing reps out there. He's basically running time trials by himself every time he goes out there. I think I read they're all heading out to to Europe in the next couple of weeks cuz he's in a Diamond League race in a few weeks they're going to try and get him into some um, big uh, international competition, which he needs because these these races he's running here, these these friendlies and and all the other kind of um, you know created races that we have this summer are just not doing it for him.
2: I just remember the quote, by the way. It's uh, if you get if you get a puck bat past uh, Vladislav Tradia, yeah, that there puck. you go. There it is.
1: Yeah, yep. From from Miracle.
2: Yeah. Shout out to me.
1: <laughs> a couple notes on Donovan Bradshaw. First note is. Um, he debuted the new kind of black and white Nike kit, um, Mm -hmm. which was kind of a variation of their pro kit that they just put out there with like the, the blue and green barbed wire looking kits. I thought those kits are trash. Like the, the blue and green ones. I thought they were the weirdest, like just, they just didn't look cool. I thought Nike should have done a better job with their kits, but the black and white one, looks Way awesome. better. Way i think the black better. and white one is just like is is very very cool um so that that's first note second note is they did another kind of fun relay at the end so they did a mix four by four so they did a you know combined with men's and women's runners and they did a every team did a did a four by four and you know pete julian's team won with ease and my thing is just like I love the idea. Like anytime you do something different, exciting like this, I'm going to be all about it. I'm going to get jacked up, but whatever team has Donovan Brazier is going to win. So it's just like, I have a hard time. It was just like, it was just like, Oh, Donovan Brazier got the baton. The race is over. It doesn't matter where he is on the track. Doesn't matter where he gets it in the race. If Donovan Brazier is on your team, you're just going to
2: win that relay. And just like watching him from so far back and just like, like we've said before, they like mix match when they the gen, different genders run. And he had Which two very like, cool. Very cool. And he had two very elite women way ahead of him. And it's just like the entire rest of the track, men and women, just looked like they went into slow motion for a second. And he just, and the announcer with like 150 to go is like, Does Donovan Brazier have the legs to do And it's like, Yeah, buddy. Yeah, he does. I mean, <laughs> this race was over the second he got the baton. I mean, it was over, but the visual of it, because
3: it is an elite woman and not an elite man that he was chasing down, you know, the final lap there, the visual of it is insane because the person is like... For sure. It feels like they're, you know, half a track in front of them, but at the same time, you know Brazier's going to come down um, and beat her out, so it's a wild wild watch.
2: And uh, so I feel like it's a pretty popular opinion in the running world that the mixed four by four should not be an Olympic event. And people say that it takes away from, um, you know, people's chance to double and it's kind of like a hokey weird event. To me, that is the worst take in the entire world. The mixed four by four is so fun. And like, I get their arguments, I get it, but it's different and it's fun and it, who what better event is there than a four by four right it's so easy to understand anybody can get behind it then you throw in this like revolutionary different kind of aspect where we have you know men and women racing against each other at the same time i mean it's the coolest event and i hate how it it almost seems like unanimously the running world is like against the mixed four by four being an olympic event i am all for it i think it's awesome and plus usa is probably gonna win the damn thing there's not an event
1: that promotes this team kind of, um, mindset that we want more than the mixed four by four because it takes you know you I'm you have a four you know you're going to have a 400 runner out there but you kind of need to pull you might need to pull from the mid distance you might need to pull from the sprinters you got to figure out the men and women that you're going to match up and it's just like you're only pulling from the people on your team so it truly promotes kind of this team mentality that we're talking about so I'm all for it I love it
3: yeah. These guys can run another 400, right? You know, like how many heats are there and trials are there leading up to the finals and their respective individual events. I'm not worried about them, you know, doubling or tripling by doing this. And it's, and it's fun. I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much to say here. It's a fun event. And anyone that is, is against this just is a, is a grumpy gouch.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm probably going to bring this up later, you know, later on in our news discussion when we get there, but it's like, just look at the sport of swimming, right? How many medal opportunities does a swimmer have to win a friggin' medal? You got all these relays, you got all these strokes. That'd be like saying, okay, we're gonna run the mile and then we're gonna run the mile going backwards. Then we're gonna run the mile going sideways. Then we're gonna do a mile relay. It's like, <laughs> all right, so we have one extra, we have one different track event in there that gives a couple, of, that gives four people an extra chance to win a medal. Come on, it's awesome. I
2: love it. So, one event that we haven't talked about yet, but to me, I actually thought it might have been the best race of the night. Was the woman's eight hundred? We had uh, Chanel Price and Nia Atkins going at it down the you know the last two hundred meters of it. And sometimes you see, like especially in you know the longer distances, the kicks coming down the home stretch can be kind of like outrageous. And one person's dead, and one person's just like got that burst of energy. These were two girls who. We were literally giving it their all. I mean, you had like almost like the sprinter, like form falling apart, like trying to like close that gap. Nia Atkins doing everything she could. And it was just like, I don't know, to me, for whatever reason, it was so enjoyable to watch a badass race. And they were just staying neck and neck the entire way. I don't know. I, to me, that was just like an absolute bloodbath, amazing race. I think Brooks, uh, Brooks made a great signing with Nia. Big time. Um,
1: She's going to be good. I mean, she's, she's, this is kind of her, her technically her second pro race. Um, but she's just kind of coming into her own. She started kind of coming into her own this, you know, in the second half of her senior year. So she's just on the rise. I think she's going to be a great runner. It was, it was really fun to watch her not give up on that race. I mean, she ultimately came in second, but she fought all the way in the line and it was an exciting race.
3: It, and it made it feel like a an actual real race out there right you know they're doing their best to make these as real as possible but sometimes it's just it's just not based on who the field is based on um just the the all the circumstances that we've been dealt but this one i like you just kind of said it as well mike but it really it really made me feel like I was watching a real track again. You forgot this was a, a weird, forced, you know, coronavirus-induced um, meet that we created. This one, um, and the men's 3K, I thought had the same feel. Yeah, had Heath coming down was and Osako kind of like outheld them. It was just two guys literally going everything they possibly had. Um, I thought it was similar to women's 800, where I just forgot about all of the weird stuff going on and actually enjoyed a competitive track race. Dude, that I almost response. forgot. I
1: almost forgot about the men's three K there was yeah. so much. I mean, it was, I mean, it was one of these big friendlies. It was just kind of a, a, you know, a random race, you know, thrown together on a Friday night just to kind of give these pros some reps. And we had so many great races, almost forgot about the men's three K with Osaka and Garrett Heath, just grinding it down to the finish, you know, three lead changes in the last hundred meters, just an, another awesome race.
2: Yeah, I mean, that another example of like when Heath made that move and started like passing on the outside in the 100 last 100 meters of the race, usually it's like game over, see you later. To see a response like that on a guy kicking and then was like holding him, I mean, that was an awesome race, too. Big friendly, well done.
1: Well done. This is this is this is you know, we've been saying it all along track needs to figure something out they need to do something during this time and portland track club big friendly you guys figured it out you did it this was a ton of fun to watch
2: yeah i mean i feel like we spent a lot of time on this but it's like it's worth it because this is the only event we have in our sport right now where people are actually racing each other and you get like real competition i mean this is this is all we get right now so there's supposed to be a, a big friendly four supposedly so what oh, is I think the name gonna keep doing
3: them. What is the name for the big friendly 4? Do we have any good ideas?
2: Let's see. It's going to be like Let's go
3: uh, uh I, I should I should have done a little uh hold put on, this hold question on, to you guys before on. we started, but
1: Let's go uh big friendly 4.
2: I must break you. <laughs> I must break you. I feel like they keep going with like the friendly concept Then you go like big friendly 4. Like friendly, friendly gone wrong, or something like something. We need to reverse, reverse the, uh, you know, the the friendly mindset. Get have it be like the, the you know the turn of the dark side or something. The the big big like enemy, the, yeah, or like the, the, the big, big drama enemy. or something. The big, the big drama. drama. <laughs> <laughs>
3: All
2: right, so we had some more results this past weekend as well. The Bowerman Track Club took to the track to try and break some four by fifteen hundred meter records. You know, me and Trent can you know we can relate to break some 4 by 1500 records today so the uh, the men's team went out there and i believe they broke the american record and then the women's team went out there and broke the world record in the 4x1500 meter what do we think i mean i'll take any opportunity to talk about a 4x15 yeah, or a 4 uh, by for mile sure. record absolutely i mean
3: this is the most impressive accomplishment i've seen in <laughs> years <laughs> it's a it's difficult event more. You know, this is something that gets run a whole lot. People are trying to break this record all the time. These guys to mm-hmm. come together and break that record. Just so impressive. And my hat's off to them and anyone else that's ever held,
2: you know, a four by mile, four by 15 record. Trent, it's an elite club. It's an elite club. And, uh, you know, there's not many people in the world that can say that they held a four by 1500 meter record. And, you know, I tip my cap, all the respect in the world to these, to yeah, both the men's and the women's team. Yeah. All right. Enough. Of you too. Um, <laughs> Here's my take
1: on it. I'm getting pretty sick of the Bowerman track club. Like (laughs) what? I'm getting pretty sick of them just doing their own events. Like as for, for all of the reasons I really enjoyed watching the Big Friendly. I'm so sick of like the Bowerman track Club just doing their own thing, just racing with their own team everybody in the everybody with the the red and white lightning singlets out there like I'm so sick of it you want you want to try and break a record, invite a couple other teams i'm i'm kind I'm borderline being done with with the Bowerman track club i just it like okay I guess it's kind of cool you're going after a record you're doing it for charity, which is great but invite a couple other teams, make it a race. I just, I can't get excited about you going after records when there's no competition.
2: Yeah, I mean, that we've, we've been tooting that horn this whole time. Um, I think there's something, uh, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I'm 98% on the same wavelength with you. The one thing I'll say, I think it's a little bit different when you're doing the relay things. For some, For me, there's something that at least, a relay makes it a little bit more exciting a little bit different i guess than just people going out just finished talking about a team relay and
1: how that was like a very cool idea and And that was to be removed from the olympics
2: that was much better that was much much better i'm saying the big friendly was significantly better and i'm saying that this is not great but if they're gonna do it at least make it unique and different and it's not just a bunch of people wearing the same segment's running you know a race that we could watch at the big friendly at least this is something different um but with that said and there's a world record yeah that's cool but again we've always said that records records don't anybody
3: that runs a four by 1500 meters
1: it's a very important
2: record it's a very important record
3: i think it adds to the mystique of the of btc right now too because you're getting to see some of these other athletes out there and competing um, Bowerman too much to our dismay is not putting themselves on the line against other teams. Um, but it is building up like anticipation and just curiosity about what kind of shape everyone is in. Right. Especially when they're running things like the four by 15, where it's, it's hard to get a feel, even though it's a world record, right? It's hard to get a feel of how actual, you know, how fast they are now where they are in their training right now. So I agree. I want them out there on the track, but I, I must admit when they do actually show up on a track somewhere with real competition, I think we're all going to have our eyes peeled on it to see,
2: like, what kind of shape are they all in right now. Yeah, I mean, to Steve's point, though, and this might not be a popular thing to say, but the Bowerman Track Club, I do think, has always kind of had some kind of, like, air to them, right? I mean, they oh, are, like... 100%. Yeah, like, they are, like, the, like, track's elite program, right? And, you know, all the big names, Like I don't know, there's just something about them... Yeah, they kind of remind like they're like the Yankees of of track and field, it's like all business. And you know, it's not you don't see a ton of like people exposing like their goofy personalities. It's like everything they showcase is business, 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 hard work, training, this and that, and the other thing. We're about results, and uh, yeah, so I, I do think that there's a certain air about them that makes it you know, you know, when they're not stepping on the track against other teams, you, you got to wonder about that, you know, yeah.
3: Yeah, (laughs) still.
2: (laughs) All righty. That's enough of results. Let's get into a much more interesting topic from the news. So, we had an article from uh, Embassy Sports drop talking about the possibility of world athletics pushing for cross country to be an Olympic event in the 2024 Olympics. Gentlemen. This is a big topic. We got a lot to break down here. What do we think? Let's
1: go. I need cross country to be an Olympic sport. I need this to be added to, to the Summer Olympics. Like, I'm all for it for, for so many reasons. For so many reasons. First is, Cross country is just a different sport than track. It's different than running on the roads. It's different than running on a track surface. It's a, it's a tougher, grittier sport. There's just athletes that perform better on that soft surface that are just stronger, tougher runners. I mean, we mentioned him just a little bit, you know, a little bit earlier um, when we were talking about the big friendly, but a guy like Garrett Heath probably doesn't have a shot to make the Olympics on the track. Um, But, he has a significantly better shot to make the Olympics on the on the cross-country team. So, you know, for that reason, it's showcasing a different type of athlete. I'm all for it. And it's just going to open up more spots for more runners on the Olympic team. Like, you're going to – there's more medal opportunities, more spots for, for, for people to kind of make a name for themselves and to make that Olympic team. I am – I could not be more for this.
3: Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. There, there's nothing – there's no downside to this, right? I mean, the Olympics has all the eyeballs in the world glued to it. And when you, you take it away from the track where again, it gets very calculated a lot of sit and kicking and all that sort of thing. And you put it on a cross country course. I think you're going to have a lot of casual fans get really attracted to the sport just to see that the badassness of, of running up and down Hills and you know, whatever their kind of course and mud and whatever else is going to be out there that is going to attract people. in. it's, it's awesome opportunity. I don't, I don't know why the the IOC
2: would say no to this. So I don't disagree with anything you guys just said. I don't. I think those are all accurate and fair points. And what I will say is if this event gets added, I think it'll probably be one of my favorite Olympic events, and I will be glued to it, and I think it'll be awesome. But this isn't cross-country. I mean, if we wanted to call it something else or just put this event in there, that's fine. But this is not cross-country. This is a four by one and a half mile on a cross-country course. I mean, that's not cross-country. Cross-country is long distance. I mean, I love the idea of a a cross-country relay. Like, I think that's fun and exciting. But why are we, like, why is that not a thing in the real world and then all of a sudden we're jumping to that in the Olympics? Like, why don't we implement that as a real event first? Or if you want to put cross-country in the Olympics – put cross country in the olympics like what i just i I don't understand what this event is and i don't know who what type of athlete it attracts to it because it's a mile and a half like this isn't cross country runners you're going to be seeing this is like a mid-distance you have guys who are you know tied to the track and like trained to run track like that's what mid-distance is all about and then you're putting them on a cross country course i just it will be electric and exciting. I just don't understand why we decided to go with this format and how we got to that point. You know what I mean? Valid point. So, so hand up, hand point. up,
3: boys. I didn't realize it was change anyway. <laughs> I've
2: been gone in Montana.
3: I've been trying to wrangle bison for a week. Um, I, I kind of missed the meat of the story. I got carried away by the headline. I just want to totally change my point. And say, why are we doing a gimmick? And I totally agree with Mike now. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you have the eyeballs on the television already, right? The gimmicks are to attract, like, new people in to say, like, or, or old fans that are less excited, like, oh, here's a new exciting thing to get excited about, right? You already have the eyeballs in to watch every Olympic sport. You don't need to do anything crazy to get people excited. Like, cross country is fun enough. You don't have to have some stupid, uh, gimmicky, two gender, whatever
2: relays going on here. Just run a real cross country race. And the problem is, trying like, that event on its own like right if some like sponsor announced that they were going to host this like badass like mixed gender cross-country relay we would be sitting here talking about like this is the coolest thing ever like people are getting excited about this it's fun it's different it's interesting but this is the olympics right and so when people see cross-country in the olympics to me it's almost like maybe i'm being a bit of a cross-country hardo but it's like that's not cross-country it's it's just not cross-country hey mike that's You've made some really
1: valid points um, and I should have done more than just read like four or five headlines on this uh, to transpoint. but beggars can't be choosers and we're and getting more events. Too. We're getting more events going back to my point when we we're talking about the four by four, the mixed four by four, we're getting more events. We're getting more spots for people on the Olympic team. We're gonna get some form of cross country in the Olympics, and like you just said, like if this was if this was some sort of pro event, we would be all about it. Even though it's like, it's kind of it, it, it is it is weird that they're creating a whole new sport just for just for the Olympics. But I mean, look at all these other sports. Like I I, I referenced swimming earlier, where it's like, yeah, the reason Michael Phelps is the most winningest. Uh, Olympian of all time is because he's able to compete in frigging eight events every Olympics. You know, I mean, you watch, you go, like they have like obscure events where they'll have archery, then they'll have team archery, right. Where the same guy gets to win two gold medals in, in, in essentially the same sport. So I'm, I'm all for more events. I'm all for, you know, opening up to to more athletes and an attempt to bring cross country uh, to the Olympics is, is, is I think a step in the right direction. Like, you know, if they were to, if there was going to be some sort of compromise and they were like, okay, we're bringing flag football to the Olympics. I'd be like, well, it's not real football, but at least we get some sort of some form of
2: football in the Olympics. And I'd be all for it. And that's exactly where I'm at, right? Like all these arguments that I made, all these points I just made, I believe, and I stand firm with them. But if the options are this or no cross country in the Olympics, I'm obviously going to be, you know, say yes. And like I said, if this event does get passed, I'm gonna be glued to it. I think it's gonna be for somebody like me. It's still gonna be exciting and fun. It's just not how I would have drew it up. That's all.
3: So while you guys are talking here, I, I finished reading the
2: article. That I'm oh, it's sure nice that you, that you actually read the article, Trent. Now I am it's, fully prepared. It, it's fully almost st- like it would be nice if somebody like put together like notes that had all the links to the articles and stuff like that, so that we could read them beforehand and be ready for the for the episode. It would be nice if somebody it would did. be. Nice, I wish yeah. we did that'd have somebody step up and do that more <laughs> consistently. Um,
3: but what I was going to say is, at one point, I guess it was proposed to do cross country in the Winter Olympics, which I think would be electric to see. I mean, that'd be amazing. Because usually Olympics are like mountain areas, right? Because they have all the, the ski and snowboard stuff going on. Uh, to see like people running through hills with snow and stuff, I mean, Like we just said, beggars can't be choosers. We'll get cross country, and however we can get cross country in. But I would love to see them revisit that idea of having a normal, like five k, eight k cross country race
2: in winter. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. Now we're talking real cross country. Mm -hmm. All right, gentlemen, that's all I got for the news today. All right, let's
1: get into our interview with Charlotte Prouse of the New Mexico Lobos. She's she has a team cross country national championship in two thousand seventeen. She's a two time runner up in the national championship in the steeplechase and she's an eight-time all-American. She's also the Canadian national champion in the steeplechase. Let's talk to her. So, my my first question for you is what are you hearing about this upcoming season? Are you hearing any any good news or is it all bad news? In terms of being Um, able to race.
0: I haven't heard any news, so I guess that's good news. (laughs) Um, I have no idea and I don't have eligibility for cross anyways. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to figure out what kind of the best situation for me is leading into 2021, pending the Olympics. Hopefully they do go on, um. So just trying to figure out what's going to be the right decision for me and that, um, you know, if there's no practices and all that stuff in the fall, it's definitely going to be a a tough situation. So trying to figure out, you know, planning in all circumstances, if there is practices, if there is not practices, kind of what am I going to do? So I'm not kind of just on my own and making up my training plan and running on my own and doing all that stuff. Cause uh, yeah, Tokyo is my big goal. So kind of trying to put myself in the best situation and a situation that is out of control. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see. I haven't heard sure. anything. I don't, I don't really know if Joe knows what's going on and uh, it'll be exciting, I guess, to see kind of what happens. I'm studying epidemiology for my master's. So I don't have the highest hopes for the season or even indoor come 2021 so I'm trying to not really use my school brain for that and kind of forget <laughs> forget everything I learn in the classroom because it would just make me feel really sad about everything.
2: <laughs> for sure. And so then like post hopefully this is after covid and the quarantine yeah. and everything uh you know once you we get through this season and through Tokyo, what is your outlook for, you know, your running after that is Tokyo kind of like it for you. You're going all in for that, or is it something that you're going to want to keep pursuing, you know, past that?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to run for as long as I can. Um, I'm only 23, which compared to some of the girls on the team, I feel super old. And <laughs> I joke with coach Jimmy here that, I feel like I've been in the NCAA for forever and I think people are gonna start to wonder how I'm still around. And I honestly question that all the time as well. (laughs) But hopefully that's the same for like a professional career and um, maybe try a different event. I wanna steeple for as long as I can and it would be cool to do the Olympics in LA and um, aim for that and maybe try a different event, preferably not the marathon maybe the 5k I've joked that I want to try the triathlon but I really hate biking and I don't know if I could convince myself to bike that far so we'll see it's (laughs) gonna be tough to be
3: a triathlete if you're not you're not in on the biking as well
0: it's so far on the bike like that that's that's the worst bit for me the running okay the swimming I did swimming in high school I could manage my way through that but The biking is just so long. Like cross training on the bike is one thing, but like racing and having to train for that, I think would be worse than the race. So (laughs) we'll see. 2021 now is my main goal. And then from there, just trying to get better each time and hopefully break the Canadian record and do some cool things and run some super fast times. And yeah, just focusing on kind of the next opportunity to race if and when it comes around
1: running such a weird sport in the sense where you have I mean you have you have a lot of people especially kind of you know at the d1 level kind of at you know in your situation where you're competing at a high level but you're also really challenging yourself in the classroom. Like you're, you're going after this master's in epidemiology. I mean, we, last week we had on Marty, Heher, who who um, you know, he's, he's, he's a med student and he's a Olympic uh, he was Olympic hopeful in the marathon. We've had guys like Yared Nagusan who's, you know, he's, he's trying to become a dentist. So how do you balance, you know, this, this, this goal of being like a, you know, a a runner at the highest level with something as challenging in the classroom as, you know, epidemiology.
0: Yeah, I'm probably not the best person for being a role model in that. (laughs) I am probably the biggest procrastinator and I'm sure like med school, like I applaud them for doing that, especially training for a marathon. Like that's hours in a day and then med school is a whole nother beast on its own. But um during undergrad, I was not the biggest student body. I didn't really study a ton. I think I've always just been like a really last minute person in that. and It's bite, bit me in the butt more than it's helped me. But um, this last semester with my master's program, I've just like really enjoyed kind of the more specificity of it all. And like it's a lot of independency, which I think is something that I work best in not feeling like I'm going to a class just to like check it off for a core requirement. It's something that like, I chose to want to study and I kind of have more freedom in it. Like I got to do a grant proposal this uh, spring in an area that was like completely of my own choice and interest. So I looked at mental health within NCAA and kind of drafted what I would do as like a study and then what I would do with the study and, um, yeah, basically went through the steps of what you would um, send to, like, the NIH for a grant if you wanted to, like, do a research project on that, so it's been a lot more interesting, so I think it makes me want to do my work more, but I'm definitely one of those people that during undergrad, I left every assignment to, like, the last day and would go to a coffee shop for, like, four hours on a Sunday after long run and just, like, need to crank out like four assignments
1: been there many times yeah you're
2: speaking our language (laughs) so to get off running completely here right anybody who follows you on instagram you know knows that you have like a you know a pretty unique and cool style in in the way that you dress how would you categorize your style
0: um i joked about this to our trainer at unm like a couple of months ago and I feel like it's very much like not Benjamin Button but kind of like I dress <laughs> like a child but also like a grandpa and I like I feel like it's a combination of both of those
2: that's a wild combination but I like yeah that. it's a good description. like a lot of <laughs> Winnie
0: the Pooh a lot of like kids outfits but then also like grandpa style shorts and like really weird like button-up shirts and stuff like that and i honestly like i wear some of my papa's like knit sweaters and bucket hats that um when we were cleaning out his house this fall that i found and i was like oh i love this and everyone else was like we were gonna throw that away but all right you can wear it
3: Certainly a unique style. I mean, I, I consider yeah. myself someone who likes to get a little unique, but I don't know if I could describe it as well as you did um, and not as cool as that. The, I love the, other the thing
1: Benjamin on... button. That's like the perfect yeah. description of those two things meaning.
3: <laughs> uh, the, the other thing on Instagram, sorry, you're rocking. You, you had your, your mask picture the other day. Um, you know, mm-hmm. talk about the importance of that, even when you're running. And as an epidemiologist, I know you, you haven't graduated yet, but we're just going to call you that to make our podcast seem more legit. But as an epidemiologist and an elite runner, I do have some questions on running with the mask. I'm, I'm in Boston, so I got to do it when I get out there. So a couple oh, questions yeah. here. First, how do I get my sunglasses to not fog up when I'm rocking a mask?
0: That is the worst. I have never run in sunglasses until this summer. And... Of course, it's the summer that we all have to run in masks. And on Sunday, like, I felt like I needed like little windshield wipers. So if they could make glasses with that, that'd be great. But you got to almost like tuck the mask, like pull it up and then put the glasses over top so it like keeps it Mm -hmm. up, but as well, doesn't fog it up. I don't know, I don't run with the mask the whole time. I will admit that if I'm like by myself on the path and no one's around. I wear it around my neck, but then as soon as like someone comes by, I pull it up. So,
3: so there's my next question. How close am I to the next person when I have to take it off my neck? Cause I absolutely am a neck guy as, as, as much as I can.
0: Yeah. Um, it's almost like while you're, you know, when you were taking driver's ed, like the car rule, like your high beams or whatever, I don't know what it was. I think it's like a hundred feet and obviously like you're not going to do that, but I almost do it like that. If they're like from me, to a tree that's like 30 meters away i'll like start to like show that i'm pulling it up so i'm not yelled at and then Mm. i'll wait that i'm like 10 steps away from them maybe a bit more if it's a downwind but then we're getting all technical and then that's a bit much for me do
3: you do the where if someone has a mask on i put mine on way sooner and if they don't i get let myself get a little closer
0: no i haven't done that but i feel like that's a good competition like who can put their mask up quicker and like be a safer human being.
3: (laughs) Love it. Thank you for the help.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So we've had a
1: handful of Canadians on at this point, but you're the first non beer miler Canadian that we've had on. And so I feel like the beer mile is the unofficial sport of Canada
0: and Ontario, (laughs) Ontario specifically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think that you could do the beer mile in?
0: Um, I'm allergic to gluten, so...
1: Let's make it I cider. Would,
0: DNS. Um, <laughs> Are we talking at altitude? Do I get any conversion?
3: Give you all yes. the conversions. Yeah, we'll oh, go... Every conversion. Give,
0: give us... <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, then, based on how people feel about altitude conversions, they would... It'd be like four flat, right? I'd get that much conversion based on how well, people uh, feel about...
1: Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: um... <laughs> I would be shocked if I ran with conversion under 530. Maybe even under six, I would be shocked. Like, that I was mean, a good that's, that's for still me. flying.
1: For but if sure. that's the goal, that's impressive.
0: Yeah. It's just in your um,
1: DNA as a Canadian, though.
0: Yeah, Canadians love to drink. So I feel like I have to, like, back up my people on that and, like, do <laughs> but, them proud. Corey yeah, Bellmore and. and Lewis just crushed it so I feel like I need to you know really do it for the the women's side in Ontario that's
2: right so yeah I might talk bigger
0: though and I I could just be hyping myself up and (laughs) I would try it and run like 10 minutes so I'm just gonna be confident in my ability
3: we love the confidence that's what we're all about
2: (laughs) so this is my favorite topic to talk about with steeplechasers right because Everyone, to, to me, it's crazy that like the number one thing that people talk about with steeplechasers is, you know, the falls, right? Like that's what everyone wants to talk about. That's what all the highlights we want to do. And it's like, this is one of the coolest events that we have in our sport. Yet everyone wants to talk about the falls, but you yourself had quite a pretty good fall years ago and you broke your arm. So I guess yeah. what I want to know is why would anybody in their right mind fall on a steeple break their arm and then continue to do that
0: event (laughs) yeah that was that was an event like my dad flew out to watch my first Pac-12s it was at UW I was you know supposed to potentially win and I think it was like the second water jump like I couldn't even use the excuse I was tired already and yeah, I broke my wrist in two places. And I just remember seeing all the videos after, like, I think Pac-12s did a highlight video. And like in the video, I smash into it. And then I like stand up and I look so dazed and confused. I like shake my head and then like continue to climb over and then start running again. And I just remember... I like, I passed the lap counter and there was still like four or five laps to go. And I was like, just don't sprint. You are an idiot for crashing into that barrier. Like you can't, you will never live this down. And I never have, it still comes up in conversations to this day, but I still love the steeple. Like, I think it's such a fun event and it's so different and yeah. I love the water barrier every lap. Like I get excited even after breaking my wrist in two places, but, um, it's definitely not for someone who just wants to be able to put one foot in front of the other and zone out in a race, which is something I wish I could do half the time. But, um, for myself, I get distracted super easily. So I think it's like a good way for me to like, continue to focus in a race. Cause usually in cross country, like I'll zone out at like 3k and then like there's a kilometer to go and i'm in like 15th place i'm like uh i should probably start running again i don't Mm -hmm. know what i just did there but i'm way far back and the team's not going to do so hot if i stay here so i think if for someone who has like no ability to focus it makes you focus so it's it's better for me
1: (laughs) so i've always wondered like what you know what is the traits you know, that separates somebody and makes them a great steeplechaser. And so what you're saying, it's the inability to focus that makes somebody a great
2: steeplechaser.
0: I think for me, I mean, I'm pretty close with Courtney and she is, well, I was talking to her about this the other day. We are like the complete different personality wise. Like I wish I was as like focused as her, especially in the classroom. Um, and she's, you know, has run nine flat, but then there's, like, the complete opposite me personality that, like, can't focus, like, at all, so I feel like it's maybe the extremes, but I don't really know many other, many steeplers at the top and their personalities, like, very closely besides, like, watching them on social media, which, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, like, I think if you come from a background of a ton of different sports, I think that really helps.
1: Mm, yeah, definitely. I can see that. Well, what, what other sports did you play?
0: Um, I did lacrosse for like eight years. I sailed for a long time. And then like the classic soccer and basketball.
3: How was the sailing in New Mexico?
0: <laughs> Not <laughs> in New Mexico, back home. <laughs> Here, non-existent unless you want to go down the Rio Grande and get stuck every hundred meters on a sandbar.
3: Oh, thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you have, uh, a long list of accomplishments in your, in your career to this point, you know, you're eight time all American, you got the the team cross country national champion. You've had, you know, a couple, you've had a, a couple great performances at the national championship in the, in the steeplechase. What is your proudest accomplishment to this point, And what do you want to, what do you, what's left for you to accomplish at the college level?
0: Um, yeah, I think, the first fall I was here with UNM and we won and I was 12th at the national meet. Like I think just the the whole turnaround from the year prior, my last year at UW, I think I was 208th place. I was like the worst improved on the flow Tracks Twitter tweet at me and I remember I was just like so mortified, so embarrassed. I'd gone from like fifth at Wisconsin, my sophomore year to 208th at nationals and like felt like I could never show my face again. Um, so I think just like the turnaround from that, like running team wise, like my mental health wise, I think I was just in such a better place and so proud to like feel like I contributed to something bigger than myself that year was like hands down the best start to a new school that I could have asked for. So looking back like that that season will always stand out as like all the times during my sophomore year where I was really struggling like it was worth it to then have a fresh start with like a group of people here at UNM and do it for them and the coaches who gave me a second chance and um I remember like seeing my parents after the race and like they were just so happy that I was so happy to like see the team and like be with them and um just like the 365 days like that turnaround like was completely different and um like I'll never forget crossing the finish line and I just remember like seeing Edna and Wayney and Alice and like everyone just started crying and everyone was so excited and um that is like hands down my favorite moment in my NCAA career thus far um And I think just, like, going forward, I think just continuing to be consistent. I think standout performances are great, and I've been very fortunate to be, you know, second twice in the steeple, which is annoying, but as well, (laughs) like, I think being consistent is something that I hope to take into a professional career and continue to just be there at the front and know that being up there is, like, one step towards – winning a race and uh I think going forward doing that and running a race that I'm taking control of and not just reacting off of other people has been like a goal of mine um come the steeple and other races I think that that'll be a big step for me which will then help me in a professional career hopefully I
1: love any story where you stick at the flow track (laughs)
0: i think i i think i tweeted them after that season because they were like best improved and i was like or they said something i remember i tweeted them and i was like i didn't forget that you guys said i was the least improved last year or something like that because i was just like i know how badly i did i don't need you to remind me i don't need (laughs) you to point it out Everyone knows, everyone saw, but I've, I've seen them since then and I forgave them.
3: (laughs) Bigger person there. Um, I want to do a serious follow-up question just on on the mental health side that you've been pretty open about. I think you recently tweeted, uh, retweeted Noah Lyles, um, Mm. tweet. yeah, excuse me about his mental health and something that you've shared some of your own personal experiences and I don't think it's entirely rare for runners to kind of like lose the joy in running right it's a sport that you just have to push yourself to your physical limits like all the Mm -hmm. time um and it's kind of one of the reasons we do the podcast right we want to remind people about like the joy that running is and why it's is so fun in the first place and so like what what advice do you have to somebody who maybe you know got into running and then feels like it's Uh, You know, not the the joyous activity that it it once was.
0: Yeah, I actually was talking to Canadian Running this morning because they, like, wanted to talk about that tweet. And I think the one thing that I said to them was my sophomore year after NCAA Cross, like, I was in a really dark place. And I took months off running, like, wasn't practicing. was getting some help and I think taking a step back was super hard for me but it also allowed me to like find out who I was without running because for so long all through high school like everyone always said that I was just you know the runner and um, you know you just start to like that's all you see yourself as and that's every time you do something during your day it's based off well how is that gonna affect my next run my next workout like my next race like i think it's so easy to get so like obsessed with everything having to go perfectly and i think taking a step back and like finding out who i was when running wasn't around was super hard and i got worse before i got better but when i came back i felt like i was able to like know how to handle it again and do it in a way that was for me. And I think that's so important um, for a long time. Like when I started running in the NCAA, I felt like I was doing it for validation from the outside. And um, after my, I ran at world juniors that year, I felt like I was seen differently by the coaches and by, you know, competitors. And I felt like I had to be perfect in order to like be seen as successful. And I think it's just such a slippery slope that taking a step back and like realizing why you're doing it and what you're doing it for. And if the answer is not because you love it and it's for yourself, like as the first answer, then you're not doing it for the right reasons. And I think it takes a lot of time and it's not something you can do on your own. Luckily, when I went home the year I transferred, like I have some incredible coaches from high school that. To this day, like I see every time I go home and Facetime them every couple weeks, even while I'm away at school, and um, they just like reminded me like why I fell in love with running, and it was from people like them and the teammates that I had in high school that um, was the reason I fell in love with running, and just like reminding myself of like why I go out the door every day, and you know I want to be successful for myself and for the people that support me, Um, but I think doing it for the right reasons is, like, the number one thing that I would advise to someone, just, like, ensuring that at the end of the day, you're proud of who you are, and, like, where you're going, and enjoying every step of the way, and, like, it's not going to be perfect, but that's part of the battle, and um, if you can't enjoy it, it's it's never going to be you know, successful.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, I think that's, that's, um, some pretty powerful stuff. And I think there's a lot of people who, whether they want to admit it or not, can relate to what you're talking about. And I think it's Mm -hmm. okay to admit that sometimes it's okay to be selfish and, and understand that you need to love the sport for, for yourself. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Um, so now to pivot to a less serious question, um, (laughs) What do you have a different flavor or brand of gum that you chew for the varying levels of competition?
0: Um, so race day, workout day is always polar ice by extra. Always. And then recently always. I've switched it up on like normal run days to, um, Oh, what is it? It's like the green... It's not the, ju- it's like not juicy for what it, it's like a green brand. I can't even.
3: Trident. Wintergreen. green. Is that even a brand?
1: Orbit. I
0: don't. I can't think of what the word is.
1: Bigly chip. But
0: <laughs> no, but that would be a chip. good one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. I want to say it's like a Wrigley's brand, but I don't think that's right. I can't remember now. That's going that's to drive okay. me crazy. Though. But, <laughs> but I love pol-
2: the fact that you have a race day gum. That I, is I awesome. wasn't expecting that. That's great. It's,
0: it's <laughs> always polar extra. Always.
2: <laughs> I'm going to have to go <laughs> start chewing that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, either one or two pieces, usually two, but sometimes it's a bit much, so then maybe one and a half. Yeah.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: I've got it to the science now. Yeah, clearly. (laughs) Hey,
1: it works. Works. Well, hey, this has been a ton of fun. We've loved having you on, but we end every interview with a quick
2: game. Mike, kick off down the home stretch. Sure, down the home stretch. Rapid fire question on a specific topic. Uh, You know, it's become a big thing, you know, for you that you travel with your waffle maker. So we're going to ask you some waffle related questions. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. Let's do it. Okay, Charlotte, do you ever feel
3: like you're cheating on waffles if you order pancakes?
0: Yes, and I feel like not as fun. It's not as fun. There's no little crevices to catch the maple syrup. I'm all about that being from Canada, so I definitely feel bad about it.
1: What's your go-to brand of maple syrup, and do you travel with your own maple syrup?
0: I used to my family ran out my dad's dad used to have a sugar shack so like a maple syrup farm while i was growing that's up. the
1: most canadian thing i've ever heard in my life <laughs>
0: yeah and we like recently ran out of like the stash we had so i don't have that anymore but usually the costco brand is actually pretty good like the massive one or i'll go home and get there's like these mini glass bottles you can buy and they're shaped like a maple leaf, of course. And they're like perfect for one serving. So usually I bring a few of those back after Christmas and I'll travel with those.
2: Um, do you frown upon Eggo waffles?
0: Mainly because I'm allergic, wow.
2: but I okay, do fair. love
0: the, the Vans gluten-free ones, the chocolate chips, chocolate chips specifically. They're pretty good if you're in a pinch.
3: Or to make a sandwich
0: out of. I've done that
3: before. Oh! Wait, what do you put inside of it? This is not my rapid fire question, but
0: Um, peanut butter and banana.
3: Wow,
1: that's tasty. I have to try that. Amazing. (laughs)
0: Uh,
3: Charlotte, have you ever have you ever heard of the Waffle House challenge?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never been to a Waffle House. There's one. I think there's one in Albuquerque.
3: So there's a, a challenge that you have to. Either stay in the Waffle House for 24 hours or you can remove an hour by eating a waffle, right? So if you have 10 waffles, you only have to be there for 14 hours and so forth. So how long do you think you'd have to sit in the Waffle House?
0: Eating bloom would be be the hard part for me. Uh, So it would be a big sacrifice. But I think I would do it. I just need to go into like hibernation for like... (laughs) The next week. I I would say I'd probably be in there. Probably 18 hours still. I don't think I can do it.
1: All right. Six waffles is good.
0: good. I'd have to lay on the floor for a very long time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's your go-to mixer in in the waffles or you just go straight plain?
0: Um, I make like a chocolate brownie one with like cocoa powder and buckwheat flour and then chocolate chips. Oh, that
1: sounds
2: delicious.
0: Yeah, pretty good.
1: Mike, here with the last question.
2: Oh, man, I have two that I really like, though. Then I'm going to you with two. I'm going to you with two. Have you ever had those waffles at, like, the bottom of a ski mountain? Like, the there's, like, this little hut, and they've, like, put chocolate and desserts and all kinds of crazy stuff on it. I don't know. They're the greatest waffles the waffle in the world. The Waffle House. Yeah, I think it's called the but, Waffle House. Waffle House. <laughs> I, I think
0: we have something similar, but it's, like, they're called like beaver tails they're oh, like powder sounds... it's like a funnel cake but like mm. not spirally
2: classic can the and i've had way that cooler story. version all right now i'm gonna hit you with the last one this is very important for waffle people i feel like circle or square waffles what is the real waffle
0: Well, I have a maple leaf shaped waffle maker, so I'm going to go with that one. I
1: mean, (laughs) mic drop. Yeah, that one. Charlotte, this has been a ton of fun. Um, You know, we really appreciate you having on and we're going to be cheering for you. You know, whatever comes in the end of this year and on to 2021, we, uh, we wish you the best of luck.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
2: that interview with Charlotte is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap boys. Look good, feel good, run good, and listen to whoever the loser was who hacked the Bell Lap Track and Field account this past week and almost made them lose so much progress and almost did a huge detriment to the sport because there would have been a lot of athletes who would have been hurt by that thing being brought down. Screw you, but you can't step, stop the bell out, boys. They got right back up, brought a secondary account going, and now they're back running on their original account. They're getting more platforms out there. They're getting bigger. They're going to help more and more athletes. So go to their site, start buying some stuff, and help this sport. I mean, that's what those guys are doing, so you got to do it. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, the,
1: what what happened to them was, was really messed up. Apparently, there was, like, some scam where they tried to get money from them, and then they got a bunch of bots to essentially – you know, spam the account and get it shut down. Um, But, you know, our guy chief from bell app reached out to us the morning after it happened. He's like, he's like, Hey, can you put this up on our Instagram kind of get the word out? And we threw it up on our story. And within like, you know, within an hour, we had like 100 P2E followers that went and followed the new account. So I mean, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of speaks to like what we're trying to do here. We're trying to build a, a community and like, you know, bell app supporting us, we're supporting them. Um, so I, I just thought that was really cool, but they got the, they got the original account back up and running. I was talking to them. It looks like they're trying to diversify They're build a build a platform, maybe get on other forms of social media. So bell Lap's still going strong. Thankfully.
3: Guys, when are we going to be big enough where we try and get hacked by like, uh, you know, some hacking group?
1: Yeah. I was just like, I was, <laughs> he was telling me this story and I was like, man, how come nobody tries to hack us? Right. That's, that's <laughs> gotta be
3: our goal, right? We got like some guests we want to get on. We should want to be hacked by, you know, some, some super smart programmers somewhere on the other side of the world. All right, boys.
1: So we got the P2E two miler coming up in a couple weeks. Um, and so first off, you know, we're going to, I want to talk about like what our plans For that weekend are looking like. So you can submit the time anytime from Wednesday the 19th all the way to the morning on Saturday the 22nd. But if you're in the area, you know, we're we're based out of Lowell, Massachusetts. So if you're in the area, I think we're going to try to do two meetups. We're gonna try to do a meetup on Friday evening at a track, and then we're gonna try to do a meetup on Saturday morning at a track. And so Trent and I are both gonna be there. We're gonna, we're probably gonna pick a pick one of those times to do our two mile time trial. Um, but we'd like to get a group together, you know, and if, if you're in the area, come down, we'll have 27 video out there. We'll get some video footage. We'll have some fun. Um, of course be socially distant the whole time, that sort of thing. But, um, if you're in the area, you know, let us know, shoot us a DM and we'll, we'll let you know where we're going to be.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a whole lot of trash talking a whole lot of me being way too cocky about my, uh, my state of training and where I'm at. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a a whole lot of side bets going on. So um, even if, uh, even if I know you can kick my ass, I'll find a side bet that I I can bet you. So it should be a good time.
2: That's what I'm in this for. Honestly, I'm in this for the side bets. I need the side bets.
1: Mike's a little in limbo about where he's going to be. He, may, he might come up to join us for the weekend or he might stay down in Connecticut. So we might kind of get a third location going in the Connecticut area. If you're in anywhere around Connecticut, maybe you can join up with Mike to do your two mile.
2: But anyways, yeah, I'm looking point. forward it. If, if, you, uh, if you're in the Connecticut area and w- do want to do a meetup for this race, DM us because that might encourage us more to have that, that secondary location. So hit us up and let us know what you think.
1: So guys, we wanted to talk about maybe some uh some prop bets, some uh some, for sure. some bets for for this uh this 2-miler. So what do you guys
2: got? I mean the, the the first obvious one like right off the bat, right? I mean, what are the odds between the three of us right now? I mean, what's that? I think there's a lot of information at the top of the show that, you know, Vegas is going to have to take into account for, but I mean, where are we at with that?
3: I think if you're an odds maker for the three of us right now, this is like I, this is just uncharted territory. I don't even know how you put odds on this, Very right? Very difficult. Steve was clearly like training the hardest, but now he's got an injury. You know, I uh, I uh, had my altitude training. It's un, you know, it's, it's I'm unsure of how that's going to affect my training moving forward. Um, and Mike has taken off, you know, three of the last four years, but apparently he's in pretty good shape <laughs> yeah. right now. So uh, I really don't know where I put the odds at.
1: Trent, what what can you you know? Because I think, you know, genetically, you're a little different than, than Mike and I, obviously, because we're brothers. But I think you have a little bit more of uh, the talent to be able to roll out of bed and do a race like this, more so than, the, than Mike and I. What do you think, like, you know, after having taken off nine of the past 10 days, been on vacation, what do you think you could roll out to the track and do right now, like approximately?
3: Right now or in three weeks?
1: Right now. It's just say That's right a big now. difference.
3: Yeah. Oh. All right. I think I could run and, and I really haven't thought about this yet. I wasn't okay. I was getting myself slowly rolling around to good shape. You know, my long drawn out uh, training process for this. So I'll put myself let's say I can run like ten mid tens. I'm gonna go ten thirty-five, I think I could run. Well, I mean, then then you win. <laughs>
1: like I mean I mean, I'm not I I I'm just I'm a couple months
2: away from being able to do that. I started two yeah, ways. So, so Steve, I was actually kind of curious to hear what you were gonna say for that as well. And when he said mid tens, I was like, "Oh, Steve's probably gonna go like ten, ten flat or something crazy." Oh, I mean, shit. let's. Let, 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 I let's, just started let's, training him. I just started training like three right. weeks ago. I feel like we, you know, we talk a big game at the top of the show, but in reality, when I say like I've been, you know, busting my ass. I mean, that means I've been, I put in like a solid, really good two week stretch here. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the next three weeks? And I sure as hell know what happened in the, you know, the weeks leading up to that. So I think the mid to high tens is kind of where this podcast is going to be sitting, which is, you know, you know, maybe a, not the best state of reality for this podcast, but it's the truth, right? Like that's where we're going to be. Do you think you're going to run under 11? I think I am going to run under 11. Yep.
3: He says that with such a like smug look <laughs> on his face. I mean, I, think I gonna don't think that's going to
2: happen. First off, but I do. if that's I think I'm under so, 11. I think based well, on that, right there. there's a prop bet right there. This prop bet right there. Will I run sub 11? 11? I say yes. I, I, don't I say I, no. All right, well, let's put money on it then. Mike, I saw
1: you train. I saw you attempt to train for the for the Irish Clover 5 Miler and absolutely blow up and do nothing even close mm. to what, what I thought you were capable of that. That was only that was only like 4 months, 5 months ago. I think
3: I'm, I'm going to go under 11. I'm going to go sub 11. I'm I'm going to go on the he doesn't break 11
2: train.
1: I'm going to say he doesn't break 11. I like betting um, against
3: Mike.
2: Well, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to make some money, folks. Okay so 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 I think between us if you were picking the
1: if you were picking the the uh the winner out of the three of us I think you got to go Trent minus minus 125 I think you go I think you go Mike plus 150 and I think I'm sitting at plus
2: 200 right now how much does your injury factor into that significantly i can't even walk right now <laughs> i can't even walk so maybe like them. plus like
3: 300 don't believe them nobody take those odds you know i was at the i
1: i mean hey listen i was at good friend of the good friend of the program patrick donovan i went to go see his his dad this morning uh to get a little uh you know therapy done on my on my ankle and i was like doc you just got to get me to the starting line on (laughs) august 22nd (laughs) he's like oh man i don't know you're getting too old for this shit where's his exact (laughs) words his exact words steve you're getting too old for this shit So, so i
2: would say shout out to trent you just admitted that you basically didn't run for 10 straight days and Vegas still has you as the odds-on favorite to yeah, win this. And based
3: off, based off of me just picking a number out of the air. like I know. I don't you don't just said a number. Too, but Trent, you your number.
1: confidence that you can go low, like, close to 10 minutes is, I mean, that scares the hell out of me. Because, I mean, even even if like things went perfectly right i'd been training for a little less than a month it will be it will be probably i would i would have gotten 6 weeks of training in like from when i started to the 2 miler you know 10:45 would have been a lofty goal for me but I mean, it's probably i'll just say
3: i i sometimes back my confidence up i, I sometimes don't but <laughs> i i will always believe that I'm probably, or I'll always believe, my, never never counting myself out, I'll tell you that much. I might, I might be a little too overconfident, and that's definitely burned me in a few races. Um, but uh, I'm not lacking in
2: swagger, I'll tell you that much. So, I mean, Trent, I've run with you for a very long time, right? We ran in college together. We've run post-collegially together. And I've always known that, you know, you're a badass runner. You're always you know, going to rise to the occasion. You're a gamer. I would say the day I truly understood you as a runner Because it was post collegiately and we kind of were already in our washed-up phase. We had gone out the night before in New York and got way too drunk. And, I mean, I could barely walk out the hotel room that morning at the, you know, Fifth Avenue Mile when you showed up to race not in that great a shape and just hung over, dropped like, I don't know, 440 or something ridiculous. That was the day I was like, this dude just... I'm not, I'm not going to count them out. I'm not going to come out count them out. So you mm-hmm. given this big speech about how you didn't take, you know, run for 10 days. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know how seriously I can take it. I did run. I ran once. Don't you like that. yeah, that's right.
1: once and you, you uh, know, Mike,
2: you're throwing, you're throwing
1: these, you know, kind of injury tactics in my face. I did that because I knew that I couldn't beat Trent on a fair playing field. So I needed to throw a, I needed to throw something in the mix there
2: to, to, to try
3: and get an advantage. But, Guys, this is my favorite segment we've ever done on the podcast.
2: Yeah, let's let's do a segment I call uh, "Shit on Trent." Trent, your mustache looks especially disgusting after being in Yellowstone for uh, uh, a few weeks. The yeah, hair, mustache, hair combo, the the hair's outrageous. Out- Trent, you really, really need to get a haircut. I mean, that's I just know. outrageous. You look, right um, you're looking like, let me just say you're filling out that singlet a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> After being in Yellowstone for a few, um, what do you guys think the over under for the men's and women's champion should be good one? Okay. Yeah, so, so I was thinking I mean, that, that's like, this is almost like impossible. Cause like just who knows, but so I worth. think we're
1: going to, we're going to have some, some decent runners out there on the men's side and the women's side. So I think on the men's side, let's see. I think you know we should we should set the line at like nine twenty-five on the men's side. Holy crap! Who's going to run sub nine
2: twenty-five? That would be really fast. I feel like we've got to slow it down a little bit. All right, so let's say nine thirty. Yeah, I I, I don't know what I'm
1: thinking. I don't think I know what I'm thinking. Saying nine twenty-five. Let's say let's say. I think I think we got to go like nine nine
3: forty-five,
2: nine forty,
3: nine forty-two and a half. 942 and a half all right i think we know a couple runners who can comfortably run under 10 and i think that there could be some surprises out there
2: you know who knows who could get, i, ju- I just think to this it. sub 930 would be i mean it'd be insane. insane you're right you're right i don't that's know blazing. why i don't know why i said that
1: i don't know but who knows maybe we we got a we got a bunch of uh, pro athletes that follow us maybe one of them signed up maybe See one it, of them man. wants that belt
3: we should clarify. There's there's no restriction on your uh if you have been a guest of the program or if you have like an Olympic appearance. Um the only restriction is
1: we're not we said we're not giving out any free entries. If you want the belt, you got you got to get in.
2: All right? <laughs> and then on the woman's side, I just I have no idea cuz I have no idea who's entering, so it's like I think we got man. some fast uh former Stonehill runners, right? Yeah, so maybe maybe like in the 12 minute range I don't know, i'm just throwing out a number at this point yeah. to be honest this is just going to show how ignorant of
3: a track fan i am though i still have trouble like comprehending what is a good time in the woman's side than not like if i haven't actually run the event and know my immediate competition and you get the things that are, it's not it's not the mile it's not the 5k this is kind of a random event i have to do like a lot of math to figure out what what is a good time
2: i mean that's oh, I would say not even crossing gender lines. I would say events that I don't run, right? The woman's two mile, I don't run. The men's 400, I don't run. Just any event that I physically do not run on a track, there is no way I'm going to have any idea. And we had this conversation with Riley Masters when he was making fun of us for, you know, not knowing what a good 1500 meter time is. And it's just like, dude, I'm a distance runner. Like I i don't know how to i don't know how to work these freaking times i don't know how this these things work well 22 22.
1: 22. i think that's fair that's fair i like that nice i like it um what do you think the slowest men's time is gonna be
3: (laughs) (laughs) and
2: who do you think is gonna run it well, let me ask you a similar question. <laughs> what do you think ProFlow is? Going that's where on? i was going with this. I wish, I I wish you would yeah. He's probably listening. What's up, ProFlow? He couldn't make it tonight. Uh, he's up on vacation doing the Trent thing. I know you're listening. You're probably editing this right now. Uh, shout out. Love you. But what is ProFlow going on? I so, think this is
3: almost better having this discussion with him not on the podcast.
2: Yeah, I really I like this. So
3: <laughs> I think... I think
1: based on the way he was talking about how a pro football player would go about <laughs> running a mile in the last episode, all I think he's going to go out at like six minute pace for like 200 meters and then walk the rest of the race. <laughs> so I'm going to put him at, let's see, I'm going to put, I'm going to put pro flow at, so I let, let's say like if you were to run it smart and he's been training, if he were to break 15 minutes, that I would be very impressed. I'm gonna give what him the I under. Th- I'm gonna give him the under on fifteen You're gonna minutes. give him the under on fifteen yeah. minutes? I'm mm-hmm. gonna go I'm gonna go way over. I'm gonna yeah. go way over. I was okay. thinking
3: more like fifteen thirty to sixteen. No.
1: I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna go over sixteen. Cause the I do one- think I do think we get a we get a we get a walk in at some point there.
2: No. My if I know Pro Flow like I know Pro Flow, he fights until the whistle blows, he's going sub fifteen. I don't care if it's fourteen fifty nine, he's going sub fifteen.
3: So, does that mean the spread between Mike and Flow is five minutes? Is that what we have established here?
2: Ooh, no. Be, four minutes. No, I'm sorry. Four, four minutes. minutes. Poor math. Man, that's a lot let's of go. time.
3: That's a lot of time. I mean, you're the one that was putting out the numbers on both him man. you. Yeah. Oh,
1: man. That's a lot of time. So, I think we got to go. Yeah, I think. I, let's say 410. Let's say 410. Over on there. Spread.
3: Yeah. That's a lot of time.
1: I mean, you can't go in even four minutes on a sprint.
2: All right, we're gonna go. right. mix it up a little bit. We'll go 410. So who are you taking in that, Steve? I don't even know who I'm taking. I mean, up. I'm taking Mike. <laughs> I mean,
1: the way the way, the way, last episode, the way, the way, Pat was talking about the sport of running. I think he's in for a rude awakening in this two mile. Because like here's the thing, is, here's the thing. That's so much time Pat, in a two mile. Pat, Pat is a Pat's a good athlete, right? And I think that it he could, you know, over time become a decent runner but his the way his mindset is right now he thinks he can just get in shape and be a good runner you have to do it over a long period of time to be good at this sport
2: four minutes and 10 oh, seconds is a long that's an eternity time and a two Mike, mile.
1: okay yeah it's a long time but you were a you were college distance runner and pat was a college baseball player i think that's a pretty normal spread sure. for those two types of sports
2: all right i'll take it I'll, I'll take the spread i'll take the spread and i'll beat it i
1: i think you're I think. I think you're starting to backtrack on your claim that you're going to be well under 11 minutes i
2: w- hold on hold on let's not put words in my mouth i never Comfortably said I be under well 11 minutes. never never said that either i just said i was going to be under that's it that's all i said 1059 is under 11 minutes. I'm taking profile. Just, just, you made the right point
3: there, Steve. All of a sudden, Mike lost confidence here. This this I mean, he just, he's backpedaling
1: real
2: quick. Real quick. Well, let's not go against Trent. I mean, Trent's going to take any chance he can to bet against me. We, I could make, I could propose a thousand bets tonight, and he's going to go against me in every single one of them. What's, what are you going to give me for a spread? What are you going to give me for a spread? Versus me? I'm writing this down. Yeah. Me versus you. I honestly feel like it should be pretty even, right? Like you just, just said because you I had run 10:35 right now and I said just I because I have more 11.
3: confidence than you doesn't mean I necessarily am in better shape than you. It shouldn't be even. Now, give me give me um what do you want? All right, How let's just time? make it 20 seconds. That's like I
1: think we need a little bit more. You said sub 11, no, I said 10:35. No, less than 20 seconds. Between you two, let's go. 21 and a Let's half go 18. Seconds. Let's go 18 seconds. 18 and a half seconds. Deal. 18 and a half seconds deal. I think I think that's a fair spread. I don't, but I'll take it. I'll take right, what, Mike in that. I'll take Mike in that 18 second spread. All right. What about um this? So I mean, what about what about me versus our youngest brother, Chris? What are you giving me for a spread there?
3: Oh boy. Well, we should introduce Chris to the members of the podcast. Just I think I think
1: our stolen.
2: longtime listeners know Chris. Yeah, okay, he, for, former social media intern. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, and he just graduated from college. So he's 10 still years younger than me, shape. fresh out of college. I would say the spread needs to be... I mean, should we say... Mm.
3: This I mean, is tough because I... we have to assume Steve is really not going to run much between now and then, right? Yeah.
1: I've been biking like crazy, though.
2: I mean, the, living the injury... On that bike yesterday. I would say with the injury in place, I would say we need to make it like. What do you think about it? like eighty seconds? Oh, I'll take Steve. No, seconds. I'm sorry. I'll take Chris.
3: I was thinking more like two minutes. Two minutes would be too much. Two minutes I is would, way too
1: much. Let's go. Let's go ninety. Let's go 91 ninety one. Ninety second. Ninety one and a half. 91 91 and 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 half.
2: half. I think that's a good spread. I think it's a good spread. I think. That puts you in a good spot, but I, I, it's a good spread. We'll go ninety one and a half. Ninety one and all a half. Right. All right, I like
3: that.
1: Are we writing we this down?
2: We don't have a producer today. We well, we can sure go we back. I'll,
1: I'll go back and listen. We'll get it. We we'll
2: get it. Any other? We're falling, up, we're falling apart without a producer. We I got know. so cozy. We were like, oh, we don't have to do any of the work anymore. We just have someone who does all the work for us. Now we're just falling apart. And now we just go back to
3: like our our natural habitat of just like talking way too intense gambling lines.
1: About <laughs> <things that laughs> Nobody like to keep all us excited about
2: right.
3: <laughs> All right, hold on.
1: I got one. I got one. Odds. I know this is going to be. This is going to. I'm only speaking to a very specific group of people here, but odds versus uh, me versus Joe Rand. I am going even odds.
2: Even odds, Joe Rand. Legend. Actually, no. I'm injured.
1: I'm injured. We got to go. We got to go plus one fifty to minus one ten.
3: Wow. I'm
1: saying Joe Rand.
3: Joe Rand just is a legend. He never fails to disappoint, to entertain, or to run solid times. I know Steve has had his number in the past, but a healthy Joe Rand, I'm taking him.
2: Can I? Can I just say one thing real quick? I gotta look up his his uh, handle here real quick because Ed P. What is it? Peanut Bon Wheat. Peanut Beyond Wheat. Like Peanut Beyond Beyond Wheat on Instagram. Everyone go follow this guy because listen. He needs to be a legend, uh, you know, just a superstar in the track community. This dude goes live on a treadmill drinking beers like every other night for like two people, and he still does it like every other <laughs> night. I mean, he's just a legend of the game. He, he needs to be, you know, the social media presence for our, for our sport. He's and the funniest guy. That. He's the funniest guy on Instagram that nobody knows about. And Twitter. Agreed, agreed. And for that reason, Steve – those odds are ridiculous. I mean, you got to go with Joe Rand for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's a legend for sure. All I All right. The last. Hold on. I got one more. You got one more. What, yeah. What is the what is the odds on people trying to cheat in the P two E two mile? What is the over under for amount of people who try to cheat? I I am not gonna give you know any
3: any ounce of my energy and thinking that someone's going to bother cheating it's it's not going to happen all of our listeners are quality listeners all of our our community we are all just stand-up citizens nobody's gonna cheat no way
2: agreed but let me just say this if commissioner steve gendron has to deal with throwing somebody out of the p2e 2 it might be the funniest content We've ever had because if Steve has to throw somebody out of this race, it could get ugly real fast. So I'm putting the odds at minus
1: three thousand, or I'm sorry, plus three thousand that somebody cheats because it's not going to happen. Our listeners are too good of people. It's just, it's just not going to happen. I but hope. you know, we, <laughs> I think it was a couple months ago we did that. We covered that uh, indoor ultra. That had the had the case where they had to kick somebody out, and they did it in the lamest way. And the and the race director got That's on the he got on goes. there, and he was crying. <laughs> he was like weeping. He's like, I'm so sorry, I'm gonna kick you out. I'm gonna do it in the most hilarious way possible. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna be like. I'm gonna go straight up like Vince McMahon. And just, <laughs> you just, just eviscerate somebody for cheating. So um, don't do it. But I know nobody's going to do it.
3: So you just, I think you just encourage people to cheat by saying like, "How entertaining this is going to be." We may need to cut that. But
1: if you, I mean, I mean, if you want to cheat, well, no, I'm not even going to say that. But you know, if if you do it for a joke, then please let us know well before we hand out the belts, and know that you that you you know entered this for nothing.
3: But luckily, we won't have that problem.
1: We won't have that problem. But, anyways, guys, it's a lot of a lot of a lot of, of P two E two miler a lot of gambling talk. Why don't we kick off the bell app?
2: Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? All right. So, I was really hoping our producer would be here in this episode because I'm still recovering from a night that me and him had this past weekend. We were up till like two in the morning, FaceTiming each other, watching every sport under the sun and I guess I just the point I wanted to make is it's good to have sports back right now even track and field with our big friendly and stuff we got going we got real sports on television I know I flip-flop back and forth like pessimism optimism in my brain I feel like I should be more pessimistic because of the state of baseball right now and all that but I'm going to throw that out the window for a second and talk with my heart and just say it feels good to have sports, and it feels like maybe, maybe it's going to be okay. So that's where I'm at. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? I want to give a big old shout-out to
3: Craig Engels. Now, he didn't, he didn't uh, have a, the championship performance at the Big Friendly Three. Our boy Josh Kerr got him out. But when I was in Yellowstone, guys – I was an RV guy, right? Me and a few friends, we, we rented this RV. Um, RV life is pretty awesome, but there's some not-so-sexy parts of owning an RV and driving that around everywhere. I mean, you got there's like a poop tube. You got to dump out all that that black water and that gray water pretty much every other day or so. Um, you know, Parking that thing can be hassle. There's a lot of curbs that you run into. So for Craig Ingalls to be an, an RV guy, I just want you guys to know it's not all fun and games like those pictures he posts with that gorgeous hair, uh, and his outfits and, and the RV. I mean, there's some work that goes into that thing. He's got to keep that thing clean. He's gotta he's gotta dump that sewer out. So shout out to you, Craig Engels. Uh, you, you're a boss. Uh, you're even cooler now that I've been an RV guy. That I know like how much you you own being that RV guy. So
1: I just want to say, you know, I think that this was an interesting week for me. I was up for a job that. Probably would have taken me away from this podcast. And I was kind of facing the reality that I might have to leave P2E in the hands of these two goofballs. And I didn't get it. And instead of being super bummed about it, my first thought was, I get to keep doing P2E. And I am so pumped up. This thing is going all the way. We're growing a little bit every single day. Please do your part to kind of help us grow. Tell one person that you think would like this podcast about what we're doing, give us an iTunes review. Follow us on Instagram. Just do a little bit to help us grow because we're having a ton of fun. I love doing this and I want to see it grow. Other than that, boys, I would run faster, but I peeked too early. Pat, hit me with the joke.
2: Or pajamas, Steve.
1: I come up here to get out of your way. Then come <laughs> in the We're in the middle
3: of a heated Taylor Swift debate. <laughs> did you listen to it, Mike?
2: I have, yep. A couple I times. Yeah, I feel like you're going this really
0: good.